Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 106. Now, um, as you know, as we said maybe two weeks ago, again, apologies, uh, took off last week. I was about to get ready to record. Heather and I were going to do an episode last week, but then right as we were about to record, my throat felt a little scratchy, and it was just like, I'm not really feeling it. Also, last week was super, super slow news-wise, so we're just like, eh, let's just wait until next week, when we can properly introduce our new co-host, not all the time, but whenever he is available, our new co-host, Michael, you've been on the show before, but welcome back in your more quasi-permanent role, but welcome back to the show. Nice to have you. Hey, thanks, pal. I appreciate it. It is a privilege to be here. I know I've been on a couple times in the past, and I, I know that your thousands of fans were clamoring me for to come back, so I just had to do them the favor, to be honest. Always always a man of the people, and always just the most humble out there. Um, but um, before we get into our news topics, uh, I've been kind of all over the place with stuff that I've been both watching and reading, so... Um, I'm not ABC Family, I swear, but Heather and I have been going through the Harry Potter movies again because I recently got the 4K set um, from Voodoo, and mm-hmm. I'll be honest, not that much of an improvement over the Blu-rays. It's The audio mix is a little better, but um, it's still good to revisit old movies that I like. Not even old. Maybe they are. Now that I think about it, Harry Potter ended almost 10 years ago, which doesn't make me feel good inside. Um, also... For those at home that really don't want to feel good inside, you know what turns 25 this month? Toy Story. You're welcome. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, that's, oh, that hurts. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, it's funny you mentioned this, Nate. I had a, uh, I had a hilarious a moment the other day. I was really, really struggling to, to find words. I just, I could not remember what I wanted to say. And I just kept saying, it's a, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, and I just remembered Rex going. It's a what? What is it? And I just it, that all came flooding back. So my gosh, twenty five! What a movie that was. It it actually was in theaters this past weekend at all my local theaters, and I was really really tempted to see it. Oh. And I might go to the movies this weekend to see Freaky. Um, but I'm I don't know. I've heard it's good. Um, I just I'm in a part of the world that's still scary but i feel like movie theaters are probably one of the only like safe spots because they can control like how many people they they take in and whatnot uh also freaky looks pretty cool um besides harry potter i've been reading a crap ton i got a lot of comics for my birthday and a lot of books so i've been trying to keep up with those um got like two or three that i'm flip-flopping between i'm reading the watchman comic which is like really really hard to put down um and it's I still say it's probably Zack Snyder's best work because he doesn't have to have nice people in it. And so long as he doesn't have to have good, morally <laughs> good characters, he actually does pretty well. Uh, I'm flip-flopping between that and uh, Taking Shape 2, which is basically uh, a big, whole, huge book about all of the Halloween movies that were never made. So, like, right now I'm reading about uh, one of the Halloween 4s that got rejected about Michael Myers basically killing a whole bunch of people to drive in and then every time he gets shot he grows by a foot and so like by the end of the movie he's like 12 feet tall and just magically vanishes into thin air at the end i'm like i know halloween six is bad but that's bizarre <laughs> i can't imagine why that didn't get greenlit the holiday franchise is all kinds of weird but uh michael you watching or reading anything good lately 
Um, so I had a little bit of a kick um, this this past um, a few months here, uh, and while my family's been away, I went back and had some nostalgia trips on some '90s action movies, uh, such as uh, Patriot Games, uh, Enemy of the State, uh, and The Fugitive. You know, I, I know that uh, with the couple Jack Ryan movies Harrison Ford did. And I think it was the the run he did Patriot Games, uh, Clear and Present Danger, and he did uh, The Fugitive in like back to back to back summers. And then um, then I watched uh, Will Smith and Gene Hatman and Enemy of the State, and uh, they were just great. Like I, I am a sucker for those those films. There's something special about all '90s action films, and um, I was really impressed by how relevant Enemy of the State was, even though that's 25, 26 years ago. Uh, about like this idea of big brother and what they can do to track you and everything so if anyone is, is looking for an interesting uh film it's acted well it's directed well and it keeps you on the edge of your seat and it's also i guess sad to say a probably incredibly plausible plot for for some people uh and then i have on my list in honor of sean connery's passing um you know last week uh, I have still yet to watch this. I know it's very sad, but I need to satisfy my father and and his desire for me to watch The Hunt for Red October. So that is the next film on my list that will be done next week. So uh, I'm, it's all 90s, all 90s action for me right now. I didn't know if you were going to say Hunt for Red October or The Rock with. Oh, my, I've not seen that one either. With is that my good? man. Uh, yeah, with my man, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. Uh, speaking is of. It, hmm? I was like, isn't that Michael Bay's like first big huge film uh if not it's one of his only good ones <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't put a qualifier on there i heard it's like actually a well-directed film and yeah. so i i had not seen that. okay the problem is like michael bay i think he's aware that he doesn't do good movies currently because when when pressed for it he can make a good movie i think the first transformers is good uh i heard pretty good things about 13 hours um when he wants to he can Make good movies. I think he just cares more about financially viable movies than quality mm. movies. And if that's what that's what your deal is, that's that's fine. Uh, you brought up Connery. I'm dedicating this episode to Alex Trebek because that oh, man. Yeah. For a lot of us, he was our he was our evening TV basically, and yeah. it's gonna be really hard to replace him. And I don't know if anybody will ever truly replace him. But to me. I've said for years, even before he had any health complications, there to me there's only one person to take the mantle next, Ken Jennings, and I think, I think they're they're grooming him because he was brought on to be an executive producer recently. I would not be surprised if they're grooming him to be the next host. Um, I have my Alex Trebek pop figure. I, I'm a huge Jeopardy person, so hmm. we we've lost a legend, but he was one of, if not the best, game show host of all time. But yes, absolutely. Let us not dwell on sadness, actually. Right now it's our job to dwell on the sad, because <laughs> our first news topic tonight is not pleasant, but I feel like it's comp- more complicated than people want it to admit because it involves somebody that people really, really enjoy. Um, I might step on some toes, and that's fine. Um, so what we're talking about is Johnny Depp, most famously at least recently, is attached to the Fantastic Beasts franchise as the main villain, Gareth... Gareth? 
something Grindelwald. It doesn't matter. The movies are terrible. Um, gr- something, something Grindelwald. Well, he has now been asked to resign from the role from Warner Brothers themselves, asking him this, um, due to his ongoing legal battle with ex-wife Amber Heard. Um, here's where I'm going to step on some toes, but I feel like I'm trying to see both sides here. Warner Brothers is absolutely justified in their decision to do this. However, I still completely agree with other people saying they need to fire Amber Heard. Yes, I I agree with the people that are saying fire Amber Heard. I don't agree with the people that are saying Johnny Depp is innocent. So, I say that because uh, this whole this whole more or less the firing aspect of this came when a newspaper uh, basically called him an abuser. Um, he attacked his wife, Amber Heard and whatnot. Um, and we don't, I've been trying to avoid this story just because we don't like celebrity gossip here, but this is, it's trickled over to the movie world proper now. Um, and so after this newspaper report, more or less reported these stories, Johnny Depp was suing them for libel. Um, however, the information came back. So basically Johnny Depp had to prove his innocence and that's what would get him off the hook. However, the judge ruled that there wasn't enough substantial evidence to count him innocent. On the flip side, actually, it more makes him look guilty. Now, I'm not saying he's innocent or he's guilty. Because for anybody saying he's innocent or he's guilty, I'm not saying anybody involved is innocent or guilty. Because I am not there in that courtroom. I don't know 100% of the story. I never will. What I'm I'm saying this as someone that is trying to put themselves in the shoes of a Warner Brothers executive, which is I know a difficult task. I'm letting both of them go right now. I don't care who's innocent. I don't care who's guilty. I'm letting them both go, and here's why. No matter what happens here, come the next release of whatever their movie is for either of them, they're not gonna interviewers are not gonna be asking them about their movie. They're gonna be asking them about this extracurricular activities in the court case if i'm a movie studio i want all my attention to be focused on this movie that's what press tours are for that's what spoiler alert late night tv is not there to entertain you late night tv is there to sell you a movie that's coming out and if interviewers and everyone involved keeps asking about a specific thing that has nothing to do with the movie that's distracting and taking up company time i i have no desire or interest to be involved in he said she said that being said i understand and i would do the exact same thing if i'm warner brothers because this is it's a looming cloud that's more or less hung over the fantastic beast franchise since day one that's how long this thing has gone on for i remember in the first fantastic beast when he shows up at the end people were kind of like because that was more or less when this case started so i get and i completely agree with warner brothers decision to let him go that being said amber heard also needs to be let go i think it's more just from a pr standpoint of this doesn't look good on anybody involved so we just it's like um michael remember that scene in the dark night when they need to go to to china to get lao back and morgan morgan freeman's just like we, we just can't afford to do business with whatever you're being accused of doing business of. We don't think you did it, but um, it just looks bad on us. I think that's more or less the approach Warner Bros. has to take here. Do you see it different? 
This is a very difficult situation, and I'm not going to pretend to know more than what I do. And I don't. I think it's disingenuous for anyone to use the word no or use the word um, assurances or uh, facts when we absolutely do not know. Um, uh, social media certainly influences public opinion to a point that I think is completely unhealthy. And you you said it. We are not in the courtroom. We are not privy to the facts presented. Uh, we are not the judge in this case. I, I picture this like. If you think I'm being impartial or maybe too wishy-washy here, my question to anyone who is vehemently um, on one side or the other in this case is that if you were a judge judging a case and handing down a punishment, what would you have to know in order to justly give a verdict? Most people would say, well, you need to know both sides. You need to look over the evidence. You need to see if there was motive. You need, you need to weigh the pros and uh, cons of of a, a actual like verdict and what the consequences can be. So like you need to know pretty much everything, right? Well, to be impartial and to to do justice. Well, in this case, what do we have? We have conjecture that's thrown out there, and we we're only given a, just a piece. And and mind you, the piece of the puzzle that we're given oftentimes is just what people want us to see. We're not even judging it for ourselves. So I absolutely agree from a, from a PR perspective. I think it absolutely would be best for both studios to part ways, you know, for both of them, for it to be mutual, because everything that seems to have been thrown out there and the evidence that we do have is that this is not necessarily the healthiest of relationships. You have other celebrities testifying to that thing, um, like Sharon Osbourne, for example. Not saying that that is going to be true. It's just her input. It's her opinion. But, you know, in, in, in this situation, I think from an outsider's perspective, something is not right. And the reports, reports I say loosely, of both sides – I, you're 100% right. The, what is the narrative of a film going to be? A film is supposed to be a celebration of a master achievement of people coming together to do a, a magnificent thing by creating this piece of art. Um, I know one of our our, fa our uh, favorites in the media talks, you know, John Campia talks about how impossible it is to make a movie, right? Well, what if you pour your blood, sweat, and tears into something? And at the end of the day, the questions are so what was your inspiration for this movie or Hey, what were some challenges you overcame? No, it's, it's about this thing that you're not connected to. And I, I think, you know, from a, from a strictly PR perspective, couldn't agree with you more, Nate. Uh, I think that's the best way, but I'm not here to make any moral judgments because that's not why we're, we're here. I don't want to wade into that. Uh, you bring up the distracting questions. It completely reminds me of, um, do you remember? Cause a lot of people don't, a Ben Affleck movie called Live by Night. Oh, that's, I mean, that Do sounds you... familiar, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Exactly. A lot of people blame Justice League for why Ben Affleck left the role of Batman. I don't think it was Justice League as much as people want to bag on that movie. It's a movie he made called Live by Night. And why do I bring that up? Because you said uh, you pour your heart and your soul into something and people ask you questions that aren't even related to your thing. When he made Live by Night, 90% of his questions had nothing to do with the movie Live by mm -hmm. Night. They had everything to do with, so what's your Batman movie going to be like? When's your Batman movie coming out? This, that, or the other thing. It's that type of principle of 
if you're doing something for a movie, you want 110% of that attention on the movie itself and anything else besides that is just distraction. Um, to bring it to more positive news, and this is like super, super late breaking to the point that I didn't even have time to make it a graphic yet. Um, it seems like Warner Bros. is moving very, very quickly to replace him as it seems like Mads Mikkelsen is in early talks for this role. Um, I have thoughts about this. Before I get into it, though, Michael, what are you thinking about Mads Mikkelsen as Grindelwald? Yes, and it's important to know that this, these are not just rumors from uncredible sources. These, these are just coming directly from Deadline. Yeah, and, not we got this covered. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, th- this, this, I think, is perfect. Um, you, you still, like, it's from, a, from a visual perspective, just visually, uh, what an what amazing drop-in replacement, first off. Um, and then you actually have the actor and the credentials behind it. Um, if you want a, somebody playing a menacing figure, uh, you know, sadly, I mean, uh, he, he's been typecast a lot for that uh, for good reason. He does a great job. And I, I don't I, I think the fans will be 100 percent behind it. Now, the, the bigger thing is that you hopefully got to cast him in a movie that's, you know, good. Uh, mm. I think that's the bigger point. Yeah, that's the problem is right now. I don't care. You could cast my favorite, Joel Edgerton, as Grindelwald, and you've burned me so much on the last mm. one that I, you basically have to show me pure and simply magic in order to get me back in the theater because it's just that last one was so bad. And even the first one wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't good enough to get me interested. I only saw Crimes of Grindelwald thinking it would be a step up, but it was so much worse. Here's mm. where I'm not too happy with this like i like mads mickelson he seems great i'm more just going guys you had a really really easy thing here just bring back colin farrell from the first movie so i don't know if you saw the movie michael or not but in the movie colin farrell is the bad guy for most of this until it's revealed at the end that johnny depp was disguising himself as this other person i'm just going why don't you just say that the Johnny Depp thing was a disguise and the original actor was the real Grindelwald all along that I maybe I like maybe that's just simpler in my brain. But also I like Colin Farrell and also they're already in the same studio because Colin Farrell is busy in the Matt Reeves Batman movie as the Penguin. So they're already in house working together on stuff. Why? Why is it so hard to bring Colin Farrell back? I'm not mad at the Mads Mikkelsen thing. I just think Colin Farrell would have been an easier explanation. But it, they seem to not care about explanations at all in these Fantastic Beasts movies. Yeah, that that is actually a really good point. I never even thought of that, to be honest with you. So I, I think that's actually um, a, a just as good idea uh, because he's a great actor. Uh, he's already been there. Fans would at least recognize him. So if, if you're trying to get anyone back, it can be certainly confusing because I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a movie fan, but I'm not I'm not constantly reading up on movie news. Now, I and the thing is, is I knew about this Johnny Depp situation, and I don't know if a lot of people because who are going to go to these movies are going to maybe realize – Hey, I mean, especially the younger audiences, are they going to pay attention to the fact that there's been this ongoing legal battle and that's why Johnny Depp was replaced by Mads Mikkelsen, you know, supposedly. And like that, that for me, it's like, why not, you know, from a story perspective, it does seem like a better idea of what you're going with. So actually, it's a good idea. I never thought of it that way. Well, I would like to say we're done with the bad news, but sorry, it's 2020. There's nothing but good 
there's nothing but bad news here. Um, and that is that while I wasn't excited for either of these movies, it still sucks either way. As basically two of our last theatrically released movies in Ryan Reynolds' Free Guy and Kenneth Branagh's Death on the Nile have now been delayed. Um, and with no new release date in sight, leaving just Freaky this Friday. <laughs> Freaky Friday. Um, and Wonder Woman 1984 in December as our only major theatrically released movies for the rest of the year. This is very, very bad. Um, like, the movie theater industry is bad in, in a bad enough state right now. Like, they're basically on their hands and knees begging the federal government, going, please, we need money. And a lot of businesses need money. Um, but these two movies in particular, while they weren't going to light up the box office, they're big enough movies that could have at least put a band-aid on a gunshot wound for at least a little bit of people. Say what you want about Tenant. I don't think... Um, it was people being afraid to go to the theaters that Tenant didn't do well. I think Tenant didn't do well because Tenant isn't a good movie. And you need to put good quality movies in theaters for people to see them. I keep bringing it up as an example, but you know what did surprisingly well in theaters? Bill and Ted face the music because, spoiler alert, <gasps> it was a good movie. But also it opened on video on demand the same day as it did in theaters, which not a lot of movies can legally get away with that um this is not good news for the theaters it puts all the weight on wonder woman 1984 which i'm still convinced is gonna get delayed again um this is just this spells even more danger for the movie theaters um now amc i saw is doing private screenings which they should have been doing all along but you see that not just one but two in any other year would be major movies have been delayed again with no new release date in sight. Michael, is there any silver lining here? Well, it is. It's funny that you, you mentioned with all these theaters, like my, my state here in, in, in Michigan for the most part, except for the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, there, my local Goodrich quality theaters just posted uh, on the 16th of October that they were finally going to start like getting back to reopening. I have not been able to go to the theater here. Michigan for better, for worse has been one of the most locked down States uh, of the union. So uh, I have not had an opportunity to even go at all. And, and so the, that, that is certainly the challenge for a lot of uh, people out there. I know uh, Florida is a little bit different than, you know, the Michigan's different from New York, different from California, so these bigger, you know, industry states with a lot of people, and that's going to impact a lot. And, and, you know, for me personally, I, I was never going to see Free Guy, but, you know, Ryan Reynolds is a big box office draw, arguably one of the biggest um, stars in Hollywood. People love him. And this did seem like it had a lot of mass appeal, especially to people of, like younger millennials and then Gen Z people. Like I could see them just loving this film. But, uh, you know, Death on the Nile, I actually loved the rendition of Murder on the Orient Express like that. I'm a sucker for that stuff. So I actually was excited for that because that was going to be a movie. Um, I, when was the original release date of that, by the way? Uh, like Christmas Day. 
Christmas Day. Okay, yeah, because we usually go to a to a film like as a family, and that would have been one that wouldn't have a lot of you know smut in it. You know, something I could comfortably see with my parents. You know, without feeling embarrassed. Or if it's uh, anything so, like Murder on the Orient Express, it wouldn't have a lot of quality in it either. And that's really funny. I I, I actually gonna, like. I'm not gonna I lie. Like the movie. I'm not gonna lie. Heather and I watched Murder on the Orient Express because I was super excited for it too. I hated that movie so much. Oh, man, so that's unfortunate. For, well, I don't know how you think about this, but for those at home, uh, at least in my opinion, a good murder mystery is one that when you rewatch it later, like A Knives Out, which is the mm-hmm. best movie of last year, um, yes. when you rewatch it, you can solve the mystery yourself because you already know the clues to look out for. You cannot do that with Murder on the Orient Express because they purposely withhold information from you. So it seems like some big, look at how smart Hercule Poirot is at the end. No, he's really not that smart because you purposely withheld information from me. Like, I couldn't have figured this out. That's not a good murder mystery. Also, some of the cinematography in this was so questionable of, let's take a look at um, Johnny Depp's character from outside the train while it's docked. For some reason, it's not like one of those angles of like, oh, someone's watching him. No, it was just a poorly composed shot. I was like, well, is this? you you have that stuff too. I guess from a narrative perspective, I mean, you could just blame Agatha Christie on that. Like, it's not necessarily uh, the filmmaker, but you know, trying to make a faithful adaptation. Uh, I don't know. Have you read Death on the Nile? Uh, I haven't, but nope. I mean, the problem uh, is well, um, lately, Kenneth Branagh is. If it's Shakespearean, it's great. If it's not. Artemis Fowl. Well, that's yeah, really great. He, you know, you mentioned you mentioned something, and I'm actually I have not asked you this question, so forgive a sidebar here. Did you actually see Tenet? Uh, I've read enough, and I didn't care, so I read the full spoiler. So it's just like that doesn't sound very Nolan. It does, but it doesn't sound very Nolan-y. Interesting. Okay. It's like because uh, I didn't have it. I didn't. Again, everything was closed here. I, I haven't talked to anyone who's actually seen it. I've only heard other people like reviewers and and certain sites say it because i really do want to see it still it's coming on blu-ray in december yes so the problem that i'm having with nolan and then we'll segue into our next more upbeat topic uh about the apocalypse um the problem i'm having with (laughs) nolan is the sad thing is if i'm really analyzing his movies because he's one of my favorite directors i don't think he's had a truly great movie since inception Hmm. because interstellar is a seven out of ten at best. Um, Dunkirk, it's it's fine. It's whatever. Dark Knight Rises, it's fine. It's whatever. Uh, and then Tenant is it's not awful, but it makes me think that he may actually have some form of a hearing problem from everything I'm hearing. Of it's the most poorly sound mixed movie that people have ever seen. Like Heather was working at the theater at the time. And she's just like, I refuse to see this movie because when I'm cleaning in two theaters over, I can hear tenant because it's so loud. Interesting. Well, the, uh, yeah, dark, dark night rises. That's the, that was a disaster. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about it because I, uh, interstellar definitely they're ambitious films. Like they're, they're, he, he goes and, and does things that, you know, visually, have not been done before, and he attacks top attacks certain topics that you know really haven't been explored, and I, I think that might give way when you have a lot of this, this, this basically this philosophy and and this his his own interpretation of like our existential reality because he likes to change the game and change the rules. When you change the rules, 
you can do whatever you want, but there's still got to be some logic some and rationale yeah. yeah, to to what's going on. And obviously, you know, Interstellar being one of those, like if everything is so sophisticated and so and everyone is connected, I'm not even going to talk about love, but in that movie, when they go to the planet that has, you know, the massive waves, they get that transmission. And it's like, wait a minute, if you know it's next to, if you know that it's next to a black hole and you just got the transmission, then they, there's a way you can figure out how long they've been down there and how, what the consequences are going to be. So it's like it's, you have like, wait a minute, once you start breaking the films down, you start getting into like, well, because they're going to be analyzed, right? I mean, people, the average moviegoer is going to look at them and go, well, that was kind of weird, but entertaining, but still kind of weird. That's why they don't make a whole lot of money. Um, oh no, Nolan movies make a lot of money, dude. Why do you think Warner Bros. Well, wants to work with them so much? Well, I, I, I don't think they, but they're they're not like a success like like a Star Wars or a, um, or like a Marvel film. They don't have that type of appeal. They make like uh, eight hundred million each. You know, I mean, that, that of course, Dark Knight Rises is not like a cerebral film. Um, you no, know, Interstellar it's, it's, made almost a billion dollars. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, maybe I'm just wrong. I, I, I just, I, you'd expect them for how good and how, I always just expect them to make more, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I have to look up more of the box office returns on, on a lot of stuff. But that, that, I guess that's beside the point. I, I just, I think he gets lost in the minutia. Um, and there's just not a lot, whole lot there. I, that's just my, so, my opinion. This is how we're going to segue because it's going to be masterful. So, Christopher Nolan is often cited for his, emotionally distant and kind of cold main characters that mm-hmm. aren't really the best portrayed. Someone that has extremely great characters is John Krasinski in his A Quiet Place series, which I'm still incredibly bitter that this virus happened right as A Quiet Place 2 was about to come out because there's yeah. some press screenings that saw A Quiet Place 2. So there's some people on this earth that have seen A Quiet Place 2 and loved it, and I am not one of them. I need to see this movie because it was my favorite and it was the best movie of 2018. Mark my words. It was so good, in fact, that we're getting more. Um, So we're getting A Quiet Place 2 at some point. It's... April 22nd, 2021, theoretically, uh, but nothing is set in stone in 2020. But it now seems like we're getting another entry in The Quiet Place, except directed by somebody else, uh, Jeff Nichols, who did the Matthew McConaughey movie Mud. Now, it's not quite clear at this time if it's going to be a sequel to the next one, if it's going to be like A Quiet Place 3, or if it's going to be like a tangent of here's some other family in this time period, or... um, what the aliens are type of prequel. It's just something set in the world of a quiet place. Just yes. I don't care. As soon as you say a quiet place, anything I am there in a heartbeat because I loved the first one. So, so much like the past few years. I've known what my best and favorite movies are. That was it for 2018. Not even close. That was the first trailer hooked me. But then when we finally saw it in theaters, it was even better than I expected. And normally, um, it's a little hit or miss. Like, Heather will watch horror movies with me. By and large, I kind of know what she likes. Both of us came out of this going, that's at least a 9 out of 10. This is something special. And I was hearing really good things about the second one. So, just sign me up. More Quiet Place, please. Um, you see we're getting an, something in the Quiet Place universe. Michael, thoughts? 
Oh yes, I, I absolutely in favor in favor of it. The the notion that this is just in the same universe, like maybe creating their own little uh, universe here, their side universe for this little franchise. That that thought is, is very interesting and very appealing, to be honest. The the idea that John Krasinski wouldn't be attached to a second sequel to the to the very franchise he, he started that would be really peculiar and, and I'm actually hoping that he would stay on of course we're, so, we're very this is very new news so but, uh, I'm gonna interrupt you real quick because there might yeah this is just scuttlebutt this is just rumor I'm not sure. again this is not coming from any official sources this is just some rumblings and some rumors that I am hearing is that the reason John Krasinski might not be fully involved with the Quiet Place universe is that he might be currently in talks with Universal to develop some classic Universal monster movie universe. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, that would be uh, that would be something they would try to get back off the ground, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, it, it would be, going off the success of The Invisible Man from earlier this year, they wouldn't be connected movies, just more remakes of classic ones. Like, I think... There was talk of him doing a remake of the, um, or a movie about the brides of Dracula. Uh, we're getting a remake of Bride of Frankenstein, but not called Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, we're getting a Dracula remake. Um, like they're, they're trying to do the dark universe, but not the dark universe. Like they're trying to Mm -hmm. continue or reboot their classic monsters. Just maybe not interconnect them after Invisible Man did so well. Um, Mm -hmm. even if it wasn't, my favorite movie and that's more of just me and my invisible man bias it's a great movie it's not a great invisible man movie if that makes sense um so if there's other movies like that uh like we're getting a ryan gosling um wolfman movie from the same guy that did invisible man so like more modern updates so if he if john krasinski is involved count me in because he single-handedly won me over with a quiet place but yeah you see Anything is the quiet place. You in for it, basically? Yeah, it, it's. I mean, uh, I'll give you my money now for it. Uh, I was very disappointed not to see that. It was actually one of my most anticipated films this year, mm-hmm. and 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 that that for me, like th- this, I'm a sucker for aliens, uh, and I I don't know why. Any anything alien wise, I'll see. I'm I I definitely am on the fence about certain horror films. So even the the idea, I'm not a slasher person. Uh, or supernatural, I, I can't, I can't go down that that right. So anything with ghosts or spirits, um, you know, poltergeist, that I'm not in there. Any of the, you know, Friday the Thirteenth or Jason films, like those aren't me, me either. But this maybe returning to making like stuff that's been a part of like uh, the world's like conscious, like like Jake, you said Dracula, Frankenstein, like that stuff. Like maybe John Krasinski stepping away. That first, I just want to say that is actually very appealing. Like I find that actually really cool. If that is something that could be possible, and I just want to say for the for your rest of your viewers, I'll speak for them. I'm not saying you are a prophet, but very rarely do you say something that doesn't have some sort of you know connection to reality and have a high plausibility of happening. So the fact that you're willing to say this on your show to say I know you've already clarified it. I'll just say it again. It's, it's just rumors. It has nothing confirmed. But you were also the same person who's who said other things in the past to me privately that have come true. And I'm like, that's that's a pretty good gift you have. But um, returning to your question, yeah, yes, Quiet Place Two cannot wait. And then whatever this this new announcement, this new project, um, even though it's very early, I don't know enough about the director other than Mud. I I, I thought they would maybe would go someone more known. I mean, but that remains to be seen. Either way, 
I would prepay it for a ticket either way. Yeah, so long as we keep the essence of what made A Quiet Place special, which is strong character work. Because, like, yeah, the horror and the scares are great in A Quiet Place. But it's scary because you care about the family. And Very tell me your heart just didn't break with no spoilers, but I love you. I have always loved you. Oh. Like, oh, gosh. Gets me every time. Oh. But it's so, so well done. And so I, I think we can trust whoever this new guy is to carry on that legacy. Um, speaking of legacy, uh, fun fact, there's almost a Halloween movie called Halloween legacy. Um, we have some form of spooky this season. Oh man, this sucks. So you said a quiet place too was your most anticipated movie of 2021. Well, 2020, but now it's 2021. Uh, my most anticipated movie of this year was going to be the sequel to 2018's Halloween, which is a sequel to the original John Carpenter classic, uh, Halloween kills that got delayed until Halloween next year. Thanks. It's a thing we can't mention. Um, but in, in like a make good, I guess of just like, we haven't forgotten about you fans. Um, the creative team behind Halloween kills gave us like a quick little 30 second teaser trailer. And I, I like it well enough. It's, it's fine. Um, I get why they didn't give us a complete trailer. Cause now the movie's like a year away and there's some interesting things to glean from it. Um, Michael, as an outsider to the Halloween franchise, did you see the teaser? And is there anything about it that stuck out to you? Uh, well, I, I'm not an outsider per se. We we did we did watch the original Halloween for your bachelor party, so uh, that was the first Proud time I had seen that. And, Proud, that was so, a good choice. So the reason why I've never watched it before because it was actually my mom. You can answer this. What year did Halloween come out? Was it 78? 78. As yeah. as I have in my office, a full size poster of the original. Oh my! Oh, that's great. That's beautiful. Um, so my mom actually went and saw that in the theater, and the reason <laughs> why she said it was a scare, it was still to this day the scariest movie she said she has ever seen because it was so plausible. Because what did you, what what did she do? before she worked a real job out of high school She's she a was a babysitter mm-hmm. exactly so m- much like uh, a lot of our moms uh for for uh, baby boomers and and, and gen xers that it, it, it is scary because it's plausible and those are oftentimes the scariest films so for, for my mom like when she said that even as a young kid knowing that you know this was on bravo's like hundred like scary movie moments and you know there's a, as a kid you feel a little rebellious so anytime you can sneak a few minutes of a, of a rated R movie, you know, on, on like sci-fi or whatever it reruns on, you know, I always did, but, but I never, I never had the courage to watch the entire thing. Cause I always had it like, if it scared my mom, it's certainly going to scare me. So I do actually have a deeper connection maybe than what you were aware of when I watched it for the first time. So, um, I, 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 I think it's a really well done film, very scary, like you said. Um, and, I know I have not seen the 2018 Halloween, but watching this this teaser today, you know it it does capture a vibe. Seeing Jamie Lee Curtis there does something for the original fans that adds a lot of you know uh, just a little bit more credibility um, and a connection. And so uh, you know, like you said, it was fine. It didn't really blow me away or anything. It's like because I'm objectively I'm not interested. I will probably not see the movie. But if I can if I can put that aside. 
I think them doing this, just letting them, everyone else know, hey, we're still here for you. Here, Here's a nugget. I think it's great that they did it, and I actually found it pretty captivating. I think it, it succeeds in what it was set out to do. Yeah, um, as a diehard Halloween fan, like I like 2018. It was the Force Awakens of the Halloween franchise in that it just copy and pasted, but not as good, what the original did. Um, <laughs> they've already likened this to Empire Strikes Back, to which a lot of people are just like, Come on now. But this one feels more like it's for the diehard Halloween fans because, yes, you've got Jamie Lee Curtis back, who was in the last one, but you've got the two kids that she was babysitting in the original Halloween as full-grown adults still living mm. in Haddonfield. Um, they're not re- both reprised by the same actors. Um, one of them is, and the other one is somebody else. But they're bringing back the sheriff from the original Halloween and one of the nurses from the original Halloween. Like, as many people as I could come back from the original movie – they're bringing back almost like a love letter. And so they've said the first Halloween, the 2018 one was the impact of trauma. Like what is Lori like now? And now they've said for this one, it's what has the town been like? How does a town react to these vicious murders all these years later, which that's such an interesting concept to me. Um, there's some interesting things in this trailer of, um, he has his fingers bandaged up now for some reason. So in the last one, he gets two of his fingers shot off, um, but now it's bandaged. Like, Michael Myers now seemingly cares about getting bandaged. I think, however, though, um, they released some other teaser trailers, like 30 seconds long, that shows uh, the fire department coming to put out the fire at the end of the last movie that seemingly was going to kill Michael Myers and burn him alive. Uh, my guess is, this is just my theory, is people are going to come... And the fire department's going to come get him out of the house. They're not going to know it's Michael Myers and they're going to bring him to the hospital that Lori is at and treat his wounds. And then he goes on his rampage in the whole town. Um, There's another shot in the trailer that a lot of people are speculating about of he's already wearing his mask. So why is his mask in the street and he has to come pick it up or whatever? Um, I don't know. I think that's going to be a big story detail, but... um, I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis is dying in this one. Since this is a middle part of a trilogy, I don't think she's dying. If anything, she'll die in the next one and like your big trilogy capper. That being said, there's going to be a lot of like main characters dying. I think Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter is going to die, leading on like one last final showdown between Laurie and Michael. Um, I've I've been quietly begging for some stuff. For a while that Heather, I'm sure, has heard me whine and complain about enough. So the original Halloween is the only one that's canon anymore. They've cut out the confusing timeline. Um, And we know from the last Halloween that Lori has at least one kid. And they said she's been married twice. I just would like to know who one of her ex-husbands were. Because there's some theories out there that I've... Hmm. She had a love interest. Love interest in that... She had, like, two lines in passing that she liked a boy at her high school in the original Halloween. I kind of would really love it if that was the dude that she was married to, at least for a little bit. Either that or someone from Halloween 2, which is no longer canon, but just have it as a fun little tip-of-the-cap homage, like they're doing with the rest of the movie. Like, Halloween, the original Halloween 2 from 1981 mostly takes place in Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. That's also in this new movie, so they're really trying to get all the easter eggs they possibly can which makes me happy um it sucks that this movie's a, a year away yeah but i'd rather watch this in a completely full theater safely um i know some people are like just put it on on demand 
Heck no, this is a theater movie. Universal makes bank from these movies. They cost $8 million to make, and they make $180 million. Of course they want to put it in theaters. Um, sure. It sucks that we have to wait, but thus is the nature in life. And speaking of waiting, where's my freaking Man of Steel 2, gosh dang it? Oh boy. So oh boy. This this does but doesn't hurt at the same time. So when James Gunn got fired for no real good reason, um, I that was, that was just stupid that he got fired in the first place. When he got fired from Disney for that week that he was fired, every movie studio in the world was lining up to offer him big fat sums of cash to work for them. One of those people was Warner Brothers, obviously, and he did eventually sign on the dotted line to do the new Suicide Squad movie, which looks amazing and i can't wait for the peacemaker series of john cena um but in a interview recently james gunn opened up about they basically gave him a completely blank check to do whatever um and someone on twitter said did they offer you superman and he said that was a possibility so for all those people that keep whining complaining saying warner brothers has no plans for superman I think they do. They're just being really, really particular about it. Um, James Gunn confirming that they offered him a Superman means they do still want to do a Superman movie. Um, and then some people are just like, well, with the Snyder Cut, we'll have Zack Snyder come back and do Man of Steel 2. And I don't see that happening either. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't seem plausible. No. But I... I'm on the fence about this because I like James Gunn. I just don't know if I could see him doing a Superman movie because he has all these like fun and quirky characters, but they're always kind of misfits. Like that's why Guardians worked so well. That's why I think why Suicide Squad will work so well. He's got this very dark and warped sense of humor, which is kind of what got him in trouble in the first place. Um, I just don't know if I buy him as a Superman guy. That being said, good directing is good directing, so maybe he could have been decent at it um what do you make of these comments michael that he was offered the possibility to do superman do you think it's just the studio going you could do whatever you want or or just what are your thoughts on this well so it was the summer of 2019 where you had actually talked to me uh, you had a prediction um about uh a one jj abrams moving and signing possibly signing a deal and then maybe rebooting Superman or doing Superman. Then lo and behold, a few months later in 2019, we find out that he moves over and signs uh, a massive, massive deal with Warner brothers. Now um, nothing else has been confirmed. Like this whole year has been, been crazy. So I get it. Uh, there's more important things at the forefront. Uh, however, I have a similar reaction. Like that's really cool. He's a very competent director. I think he makes good films. Not the right fit for Superman. Absolutely not. Uh, I don't think we've really, I don't think we've still gotten the best version of Superman that we can get for the big screen, in my opinion. Uh, and that includes the original, even though I, the original is, is, it's not like I don't think the best. Doesn't hold film, up. It doesn't hold opinion. up. It's very 70s. But I, 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 yeah, I think it's an ideal version of what Superman is supposed to be um, for, a, as a hero. I'm not saying it's done like the best. That's not what I'm arguing. Uh, but in my opinion, for like who he is supposed to be, I, I like the ideals, the virtues he's supposed to live up to. And if you were to somehow make that an amalgamation with maybe the struggling to get to that point, um, that 
Man of Steel portrayed, I think is very interesting. Uh, but uh, I, I have a question for you: Is like this sounds this sounds right? It sounds like there's that interest there. Where are we at? I, I guess for those of you, for those listening who might not be up to date, and also for my own benefit, where are we at with the state of Superman, Henry Cavill, in DC? Well, where does this all stand right now, as of November tenth, twenty twenty? So the last time we've heard anything was about two or three months ago, and it was that it wasn't anything confirmed, but it was heavily implied that Henry Cavill had re-signed a contract to be more or less the Hulk for the DC universe of like a really strong supporting character in other people's movies. So whether that's like Black Adam or Shazam, but no talk on a Man of Steel 2. However, those talks never seem to fully die away every like maybe like once or twice a month, some new rumors will pop up about something superman related at least for me where there's smoke there's fire um and every few weeks or so there's just a little bit more smoke added to make me think that sooner rather than later we will see something superman related because henry cavill you could be like oh he's just keeping himself in shape for the witcher the dude is not in witcher shape he's in superman shape there's that interview there's that video that he posted uh, a while back during quarantine that got everyone under the sun, hot and bothered, uh, got all the men excited because he's building his own PC, got all the women excited, and some of the men because he's wearing a tank top. That man was shredded to the gills. He was still in shape. I'm going, you're clearly holding out hope for Superman, and you're, like, waiting at the ready like a Minuteman in the case that a Superman thing is going to happen. So... It's a wait-and-see thing. Um, I think he will be showing up in other people's movies. I'm putting it out there now. I guarantee you, Henry Cavill's Superman will be in Shazam 2 whenever that movie feels like coming out. Uh, Because that got got delayed till 2023. Uh, I guarantee you he'll be in that. Now, here's the complicated thing. Anybody that listens to the podcast for a single episode knows that I'm not a fan of Zack Snyder. I don't think he does morally good characters well. He does ambiguous characters that are bad people. He does those well. That's why he turned Batman into a murderer. Um, He has gone on multiple interviews saying that his end goal for Superman was to, by the end of his arc, to turn him into the Superman that we know and love. So we get the Superman that we know and love by the end of the story, which kind of made me doubt it because the Justice League 2 and 3 stories that we've heard make Superman the bad guy again. Um, However, Mm -hmm. I give him some of the benefit of the doubt because, if nothing else, in the Joss Whedon Justice League, you can clearly tell the scenes that are shot by Zack Snyder and the scenes that are shot by Joss Whedon due to Henry Cavill's lower lip. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mission Impossible. And at the end, when Lois Lane is giving about that speech that was clearly dubbed in later about the yes, our darkness is dark or whatever, but hope was still there, whatever, whatever. And at the end, we see Henry Cavill do the classic Superman chest ripping open. That is clearly a Zack Snyder shot because his face doesn't look all effed up. It looks like a normal human face. So whether that's how Zack Snyder ended his Justice League with him doing this and becoming the classic Superman now that he's back from the dead and he chooses to be more hopeful and optimistic. Uh, Also, one other tinfoil hat i have my tinfoil hat at my feet but i don't want to bother putting it on right now um so a big part of the superman mythos is superman uh martha kent 
makes his Superman costume. Um, and that was completely missing. One of my big complaints with Man of Steel is there is no reason he has the Superman suit. No story reason. Like, in almost any comic book movie, the hero starts with a specific suit. Look at the first Iron Man. He built the one in the cave, then he upgraded to something else. Captain America, he started the one in the play, and then he got a new suit when he was actually in war. It happens in almost any comic book movie. Aquaman starts in street clothes, and then once he becomes the king, gets his new set of armor. Man of Steel, he literally just picks it up and wears it. There's no story reason why he's wearing that suit. Zack Snyder has also said in interviews that he of why is why is it in the Justice League that we got Superman has the red and blue suit again when in Batman vs. Superman he got impaled by Dark by Doomsday and he's got this big old hole in his suit right where the S is so that should be torn and messed up which makes me go so you're saying there's a chance that when he comes back from the dead we know he's got the black and silver suit in Zack Snyder's version when he doesn't need that anymore He's going to need someone to make him a new suit. Maybe his mama? Which, I don't mind a Man of Steel suit. I like the Man of Steel suit a lot. My only issue with it is it needs a little bit more color to it. But that's my complaint with most Zack Snyder movies is they need a little bit more color. Look at Aquaman. That has... They just went to James James Wan. What colors do you want in Aquaman? Yes. Um, That's right. That's kind of my hope is at some point we get a more bright Superman. And I think we'll eventually get that. Um, so getting back to it, I don't, I don't know if James Gunn was the, is the best choice. And so I'm glad he sticks to what he knows the best. That being said, I wouldn't be mad at all. If he was brought on for Superman, I still believe it's going to end up being JJ Abrams. It's not who I want. Uh, my hope is that it would be Brad Bird because Fight Me, Iron Giant is the best Superman movie ever made. Um, okay. I, I can't would... agree with you more. Where is that live action film, by the way? Oh my gosh! In I... development hell, where it belongs because it remains it... animated as it should. Um, <sighs> okay, fair enough. Brad Bird and Christopher McQuarrie are my two top picks for a Superman movie. Oh, that'd be great! What a what a great Chris. I can't. I yes, Christopher McQuarrie, absolutely. So I to make Michael just in even more anguish. Christopher McQuarrie actually did pitch a Man of Steel 2 to Warner Brothers with Henry Cavill by his side, and they turned him down. Oh, really? What do do we know anything about it? I didn't I didn't know that. Uh, no, not really. He just said he pitched a Green Lantern movie and a Man of Steel 2 with Henry Cavill because they just finished working with each other on Mission Impossible Fallout. Mission Impossible. Um, but yeah, Warner Brothers turned that down. Um. I still think we're gonna get a Man of Steel 2. I'm not ready to say they'll announce it next year just because. I think we're going to be set with our DC movies for a while because everything got pushed back so much. That's why, like, Batman, Jurassic World, and everything is starting to get pushed to 2022 because 2021 is already getting pretty full of stuff. Um, So I don't know how many major announcements we're going to get next year. But to me, at least with Warner Brothers saying, you can do anything. You can even do Superman. At least to me means the door is still open that we might get it at some point. Mm-hmm. If nothing else. But before we get into our main discussion, this week's episode is brought to you by, I don't know, um, Shudder. The most underappreciated streaming service out there because not horror is not for everybody, but for five bucks a month, it's hard to beat. Also, Shudder has a feature that Netflix is now going to claim that they created. 
Um, which is the ability to watch, just turn on and watch something like like a regular TV channel. Shutter's had that for a while. Netflix is apparently testing it. We bring that up because this week, in almost like a sequel episode to the uh, a few weeks ago when Heather and I talked about the future of movie theaters, Michael brought up a really good idea of talking about the future of streaming because that's the future and it hurts it hurts a lot and i think some studios have jumped on streaming faster than others and the gap between good streaming and bad streaming is getting wide real quick like for those that complain that disney plus doesn't have new content i get it but we're also in the middle of a pandemic I would take Disney Plus over a lot of other streaming services right now because they over-delivered at launch as opposed to a lot of other ones come out going, we're going to be strong at launch. And then, as we'll talk about in a little bit here, we're missing some key features. Whereas Disney Plus, when they came out, I remember they way over-delivered because Disney Plus did not advertise or even announce before they launched, oh, hey, guys, did you know we're going to have the star wars all the star wars movies in 4k and dolby atmos um they didn't say that at all they didn't say how much 4k content they would have or hey we're gonna have ours for the cheapest of all the major streaming services but also the best possible video and audio quality of all the streaming services and now i've kind of raised on that bar to the point of I have a very strong love-hate relationship with HBO Max. Um, It leans towards hate more than anything else because on the paper, it should be a great service, and that's why I'm keeping it because all the great future DC shows will be there. Um, There's some great programming there. Almost all the Warner Brothers stuff will be there eventually. The problem is they came out of the gate with no plan, and it's blatantly obvious because, Michael, what... Your streaming services. What do you watch your streaming services on? Yeah. Um, so up to this point, uh, I've usually had it on my, my 4K monitor to take advantage of Prime Video and Disney Plus. I just recently upgraded my Netflix to 4K. So you watch um, them on your? Um, you watch them on a computer or on? Yeah, TV? I used to watch it on a PC monitor because it was the only thing I had 4K on. Okay. But so now, you watch them in a? You watch them on a computer screen? Yeah, but not anymore. I actually just bought, and this is the. the it goes to serve. I bought a 4K HDR OLED TV um, that um, has Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos supported integrated into it. And so now all of my streaming services are on a really big TV, um, and I and I use the big three, you know, pr- uh, Prime, Netflix, and and Disney Plus. Um, and so now all of my media content is is filtered through a big TV, like most is I'd it- say most people. Is it the TV or is it um, like a Roku or a Fire Stick or is it in the it's TV actually, itself? Yeah, it's the actual TV. It's the it's the web. It's the what LG calls it the Web OS. It's actually the integrated smart TV features. Okay, well, what I was saying with HBO Max is they launched and still mm-hmm. they launched in July and still to this day do not have their service on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. That's ridiculous. And they have no 4K at all. The best they have is HD with 5.1. Um, Peacock, same thing. Well, Peacock yeah. at least is on Ooh. Roku now. Peacock got to Roku much faster. Uh, HBO Max, 
if I'm going to watch the Snyder Cut, I want to watch that in the best possible video quality. Um, Absolutely. Also, what's frustrating right now with HBO Max is, so for a while there, they had DC Universe, which was the comic DC Comics, but also any of the animated shows, DC original programming like Titans, Harley Quinn, Doom Patrol. DC Universe, all of its original content was in 4K. So when I watched the lackluster season two of Titans for the sole reason of watching Dick Grayson become Nightwing because I'm a shill, um, I could watch that in glorious 4K. When I watched Young Justice, 4K. They had plenty of their movies in 4K. I am pissed because that content is leaving DC Universe for HBO Max, which is now a step down in quality to HD. If you are forcing me to leave a streaming service, you should be able to match that quality. And so I think off the bat, we need to talk about what should streaming services more or less be providing at this stage? Because Disney Plus, I don't need all my 4K. I don't need Disney Plus to have everything 4K. I don't need to watch even Stevens in 4K. It's not meant to be like that. But uh, anything that can be converted that should be, Yes, please. That I don't know if that's too much to ask, but I feel like 4K should be a prerequisite now. Yeah, this and this is what's funny is that we're really not saving money and we're really not um, doing anything different than we were with cable. Um, the only thing that's is better is access um, on demand, um, the things that you want to watch, whether it's the same movie over and over again. Um, and the idea of like cost being buried, and we'll think about this for a second. For a second, um, instead of turning on turning on your channels like your like back in the day where you had you had sixty channels you paid for seventy channels, and you know when they started transitioning to HGTV in two thousand six two thousand seven, you had certain news channels that that started going to you know from analog to digital, which allowed for that signal. Then you had, you know, certain TV shows starting to broadcast. It was a slow transition over. And then you had Blu-ray starting to come out. And so people who wanted to, you know, have access to higher quality things, you didn't necessarily have it right away because a lot of the like the format was still four by three. It wasn't a sixteen by nine presentation. So you got so you have aspect ratio changes, you have an industry change with with hardware and you know supp- uh, supply chains. And in everything. So you're basically the entire conscious of how we consume content had to change. Well, after a while, um, after it was like, well, you know what? I don't now that I have, you know, 900 channels, I don't watch any of that anymore. Is there a way to get around it? So the market began to change. Well, if you look at adding these up, well, prime prime video, that's 119 bucks a year. You get prime video. You get um, for a prime, prime subscription. That's what I'm at. A 4k, um, 4k, um, uh, package for Netflix is now going to be $17.99 starting in December. And then Disney Plus is whatever. I, I actually don't know what it is. I know Eight some bucks. people with the early signing signings got a yeah, Eight bucks exactly. a month. Okay. And so after yeah, after a while, and then you want to add an HBO. What's, what's HBO Max and Peacock? Uh, HBO Max is 15 bucks a month. And Peacock. Okay. okay, Peacock is one of the smart ones here, guys. Because I think this model could work. Peacock has the tier kind of like netflix but it's um much cheaper but with ads i think people are willing to pay for ads um if it's a more affordable option and i remember when disney plus launched and some people were just like 
uh, it's eight bucks. That price will go up eventually. Well, no, duh. Every price <laughs> goes up eventually. Yeah. But the big yeah. difference is, I know people sometimes complain, there's not enough content on Disney+. Plus. Like, it's eight bucks right now. That's really good. Honestly, if Disney Plus was 15 bucks, I would still pay for it because to me, there's a lot of content. There's the promise of more interesting content coming forward. But again, it's that it has the best picture quality from the get go. Like, yes, it's eight bucks, but also they try and put as much of the 4K content as possible in the best picture quality as possible. Like, how is it that HBO Max and a lot of other ones are twice as much but don't have the same picture quality like hulu i think has some 4k but they really don't explain what is 4k and what is not most of it's hd uh netflix has a lot of 4k content but they make it so expensive also no offense to netflix but a lot of it is garbage um like netflix is like any of our original stuff is shot in 4k but it's not quality it's well, I will say like the the two things that I, I liked watching. One was the Bodyguard, which was a Netflix um, um, original. Which that it's a shame that that wasn't uh, actually it was not a Netflix original. Excuse me, that was not that that just came to Netflix. Here's the only way we could watch it in the, the States Kevin Costner movie on streaming. No, no, it was a uh, it's a Brit it was a British uh, TV show. Um, oh, I'm just thinking of the Whitney Houston who, movie. It's it's actually really good, man. If you want something to watch, uh, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, but I just watch old episodes of old TV shows, and then I watch The Crown. I thought The Crown was really high. It's actually really well done. Um, and but like I don't watch any. I don't watch Netflix for the originals. I, I watch Netflix because I had a massive library of, of movies and TV shows that I liked watching at one point in time. And I have debated and debated and debated whether or not I should just get rid of Netflix. And I might very well do it after The Crown is done here and it's like fifth season. And because I, I can always buy The West Wing, right? <laughs> um, uh, every so, time I see The West Wing, I think of you, bud. Because right now it's on sale yeah, for it, like 60 bucks on Vudu. Um, but the, yeah, you bring it, up a really good my point. Goodness. You bring up a really good yeah. point that we should talk about um, that is definitely the future of streaming is there's a lot of people like you, Michael, that watch Netflix because there's stuff that they used to watch on something else. Brace yourselves, people, because that stuff's not going to be on Netflix for much longer. Y'all remember the bidding war for Friends? No. Friends, HBO Max is paying $500 million for the streaming rights to Friends. Eventually, Friends is going to be on Peacock because Peacock is owned by NBC and NBC was the one originally airing Friends. Um, a lot, eventually Netflix is going to just be Netflix originals because everyone's going to have their own little, it's a turf war of, we're going to have our stuff over here. That's why HBO Max is going to have all their DC and Warner Brothers stuff. Disney Plus is going to have all the Marvel, Star Wars, everything else stuff. Netflix, I've, I've been saying this for a little bit, whether people want to admit it or not. Netflix days are numbered. Um, it might not be anytime soon. Yeah. But I bet you Netflix will not be number one in 10, 15 years. Like, ever since no, streaming. I, no way. Ever since streaming has become the go to media, yes, Netflix has been on top primarily because they've been the go to spot for everyone else's content. Once everyone claims their content back. Netflix is stuck with their own originals, which is good, 
But if you keep canceling your stuff after three seasons, people don't stick around. The people reason why people watch The Office or Friends or Big Bang Theory or How I Met Your Mother is because those shows went on for so long that they were able to develop a fan base. But also, it's like comfort food. Since there's so much to get out of it, you can just sit and watch forever. Stranger Things, you can finish that Mm -hmm. in a day if you want. At least a season you can finish in a day. Like, they... Since they're so in debt, they can't afford to... They'll be like, oh, this show is super, super popular. Like The Witcher or Stranger Things. They'll be like, that show's really popular. Give it four seasons because we can't afford to pay actors to raise their salaries or whatever else. Because that's the other thing is, unlike some other streaming services, Netflix is massively in debt. Like $15 billion in debt. Um, Oh, yes. So, I don't know. Netflix is in a tricky position and so many companies are focusing on the few like so this pandemic has just sped up the streaming wars to me because all these studios are going uh warner brothers has restructured their entire entertainment division disney's restructured their entire entertainment division to funnel more and more content to streaming services which is good and bad it hurts the box office i think but at the same time I still want to watch stuff in the best quality that I can, and I feel like at times we don't often get that from streaming services. Yeah, that, that's and that's, the thing is, is like the idea that all this was to save money and give you more choice. But the other half of this is, if you want a home studio, how much are you spending on a TV, sound system, lighting, um, and then you add in per month charges as well easily you can get right back up there to a cable bill and the idea of just kill you know, the the freedom of cutting cords because you're putting the control back in your hands well yeah but it's not you're not really saving yourself any money oh, uh, no. especially see i'll disagree spe- with you there of i i would take what you pay even if the cost was the same for streaming or cable i would go streaming any day because streaming doesn't have commercials and i can pick what i watch when i watch right. it cable you are subject to all right you will watch ncis at seven o'clock on tuesday night as opposed to watch it on hulu or netflix binge it if you want to binge it or watch it on your own time as opposed to cable forcing you to watch it at a certain time yeah no then that, that's good i'm saying like the the illusion like the fact that you know, the reason why we can do all this is because, you know, it, it's it's on our control. Like, I, I totally get I, I get it. I do. It's the idea of saving money. Like, you're just trading. You're, you're just paying this almost in a way the same amount of money uh, just to have more control. I mean, I'm willing to do that. I mean, I have a YouTube Red account because I hate ads. I same. despise advertisements. Same. And so I'm willing to pay for the – I'm willing to inconvenience myself financially for the inconvenience of my time. Uh, time – is often, especially nowadays, is the most valuable currency. It's not, it's not paper uh, or, or plastic. It's your time is the most valuable thing. So I'm willing to financially fork out money in order to not be inconvenienced with my day. But the idea that I'm saving myself money, sure. I mean, the thing is you can cancel any time, but like, as soon as you start streaming – as soon as you think about this too, as a family that you know has four or five people and they're all streaming um, – the normal internet connection speed of 10 years ago won't cut it any longer. And so what is that going to do for your internet bill now? Uh, what do you have to pay for per month? Um, so I know that for me, 
my first year, I just signed it with Xfinity. It's fifty. It's three hundred megabytes down. Uh, that's my uh, that's my down speed, and that's fifty bucks a month. Well, you know, they always say you can bundle and get these channels and get these movies, and you pay X dollars more. It's like, well, you you could you could explain away the finances, but the idea of this competition is only it's only gonna um, pull out our wallets more. And so over the course of time, um, there's no reason why we won't be back up to paying a hundred bucks a month for the same entertainment. It will just be, you know, we just have the allure of, you know, well, if I want to watch this, I don't have to wait for it to come back around in the TV guide. I can just watch it right now. Um, and I don't have to go to a store to rent it. You know, I can, I can do it right here and now, but if you're those old guard, if you're those old people, uh, who are like me, just watch Netflix for those those things. Why not just digitally buy a show? I, I don't like for me. That's the that's the argument for myself. Uh, unless of course you do like the originals, such as like Disney Plus and The Mandalorian. Like that's a massive incentive. But for Netflix, like and you mentioned, like and that to know, me is the future is originals. Yeah, like yeah, studios are going to rally behind that, and I think that's by and large it's a good thing because. TV is getting to be on par with movies like HBO with, um, well, I was going to say Game of Thrones, but um, let's not discuss that last season and a half. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But HBO, by and large, but especially in the past few years, their stuff doesn't feel like a TV show. Their stuff feels like a movie. Like Watchmen feels like a movie. Mandalorian feels like a movie to the point of, I had a certain friend of mine Notice what aspect ratios were for the first time ever. He's just like, at the end of the first episode of season two, when they reveal that one character, did you notice they go to widescreen? I was like, you do realize 99% of the show is widescreen. They only did a full screen for the crate dragon. He's just like, they did what? I was like, movies and shows change aspect ratios all the time. All the time. Yep. But, um, but stuff is becoming more cinematic. It's, it, to me, that's an exciting thing because we're getting stuff that we might not have ever gotten as a full-fledged movie, but you can devote it as a TV show, like Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right. I don't think we would ever get that as a movie, but that's one of the most anticipated Disney Plus shows because I still don't believe we're actually going to get Obi-Wan until it actually starts filming and it's in front of my eyeballs because it's it's been teased in front of me like a carrot um, so for so many years now. Um, but there's stuff like that. There's constant constant rumors of ben affleck coming back as batman for a hbo max series which i don't believe those rumors but it's at least possible in this world nowadays with such focus on streaming and originals at the end of the day it's the battle of the original content whoever has the most diverse and most interesting original content i think will be the one holding the heads of their enemies when this is all said and done yeah, no, that's um, you know, yeah, that that's that's how it's going to be. Is it's the race to quality content and, and separating the stuff that's just there versus stuff that's really great. Um, and that was the other aspect too of I think of the streaming wars is how good can you make and where how good can you make your own home theater experience? And again, me with a sixty-five inch uh, HDR OLED TV, so contrast is amazing. Uh, with Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos and like um, enabled, 
I'm I'm listening on this really nice sound system. And when that aspect ratio changed, and by the which was a fantastic technical decision, by the way, at the end of season, um, season one or season two, episode one of Mandalorian. Um, what an amazing, amazing episode for one. But like that was something mm-hmm. I'm like this is transcending TV at this point. This is this is not TV anymore. It was there was that kind of opening uh, thing of like they they have put in a lot of energy and effort into this. This is no longer a TV show in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I will say that, you know, seeing a 65 inch TV, it's fully taken up in all of its aspect ratio. And then the roaring of the crate dragon, I was in and I had a lot of bass turned up to my living room shook a little bit when that happened. And it's a pretty big TV. I was sitting pretty close to it. I went, wow, this is as close as I've ever been in my, in my home to a movie theater experience that I've ever been in my life. And in that moment, I had to ask myself, Nate, why would I go to a movie theater again? I had to ask myself, if I'm going to get these films, maybe potentially released, you know, VOD, um, not saying that for the exorbitant price of, you know, what they did for Mulan, but like Uh if I have the option, am I going to get out and am I going to go to a theater or am I going to pay maybe a little bit more, a little more of a premium to stay at home? That that's a question I never thought I'd have to ask myself until I I had a premium experience if I can use that with a really good TV, really good sound system, really good lighting. Um, you know what can that do when you're seeing the director's vision, but seeing it to a point where it's it's fulfilled to its best degree and a home experience. I think that is a question that movie theaters desperately need to ask themselves. That's a that it, it's a question that I don't see being asked. No. I think the stream the streaming stuff is good, but the ultimate experience is that for forever we could say, yeah, I have a I have a good sound system, I have a good TV at home, but it, it pales in comparison well, to seeing it on the big screen. I think that narrative is beginning to change. That's just my theory. The problem is, uh, we bag on AMC in the past few months because coronavirus has hit them worse than anybody else. And that's only because they were in the red because they were doing the changes that you suggested of what's going to get me out of my nice seating arrangement at home to see a movie in theaters. While AMC was revamping all their theaters with better seats, better sound system, better projectors, making everything the best experience possible. And then this just hit at the worst possible time for them. Uh, So some theaters are taking the steps required. It's just that mm. I think a lot of people are becoming more and more like you of a convenience factor. And I get it. Um, and I also get that I'm too old school in the fact of just like, um, if we're being honest, like, look, I'm, I'm wearing my family video shirt right now on camera. Cause I'm, I'm old school. I like physical media. I like going to the theater. I don't think if I can help it, if I will ever fully be one of those people that'll just watch stuff at home, if I have the, like I said, Bill and Ted came out in theaters and also on demand. I went out of my way to make sure I saw it in theaters because I wanted to support it. Um, I just, I'm too old school, I think, but I understand that that's changing mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, I still believe that the theaters can survive, but they they'll become like what drive-ins were before the virus of for a very niche audience. They'll still be kind of around, but I do very much worry about the theaters, but I'll tell you, here's why you get out of your seats 
at home to go see something in theaters. Watch Avengers Endgame when Cap lifts the hammer at home compared to opening night. Oh, yes. I I still watch that scene at least once or twice a month just because that's like that's to me one of the best scenes to watch with like the rumble at the base of my sound system uh, 4k at home but it's cool but I don't feel the adrenaline I don't feel the emotion sure it's like but maybe not to the same extent it's like listening to your favorite CD in your car on your way to a concert for that same artist and then hearing it live there's a different vibe to that um Mm -hmm. it's the anticipation are you telling me that the new star wars trilogy by taika watiti the master himself if it is either on disney plus or in the theater you're actually going to see it on disney plus no i no i i i have to be honest right now no um, will it get to a point where I could? Sure. Um, and I think that's where theaters have got to continue to provide the incentive. They've got to continue making, they, they have to innovate. And I don't know what they're going to do. This is, this has been a horrible year to argue for why movie theaters are, are better, are better choices. And for, for the health, uh, for, for the, those who will always continue to, um, you know, be cautious of of the extenuating circumstances, to put it lightly, this year. Uh, the, the one thing that a lot of these big blockbuster films have going for them is that they appeal to three and four generations. I mean, you have, I mean, for a, a lot of these Marvel films, I'm, I'm saying my, you know, I'm a millennial. I Gen, Gen Zers and millennials fill up the majority of the audience, but they, then you have uh, Gen Xers and baby boomers uh, right there al- alongside us. So I technically, I mean, and you want to throw in the greatest generation who maybe are still, you know, wanting to go out to the theater. You have five generations all seeing the same film. That doesn't happen too often. So you're right. The communal aspect is amazing. And I'm not, I don't know you want to get into like some of the theaters that are, that are definitely say premium that like cook your food, bring it to your, to your seat, who offer okay. really incredible seating weird, and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not even suggesting about that, that we get is... to that. The weird thing is, like, I am a stickler of, I like going to the movies, whatever else. I like, if I can physically go to the theater, then I will. I hate those places that bring food to you. It just ruins the yeah, experience it, for me. It just distracts me too much. I'm like, no, it, get, get out of the way, down front. Yeah, that yeah, it's not, it, it's very strange. So I'm not actually going down that route. But that is the, that's the thing that always wants to keep me, keep me going. And they, you and I are the same person here. I love going out. And having a a time, it's a communal thing. But I like going out, and it's an event. It's something to look forward to. You put it on your calendar. You go out to dinner. You you there there's you put it on your calendar. You build your day or your evening around it because mm-hmm. it's something other people are coming in, and you can talk about it afterwards. Again, you can build in a meal, another social event around it, and and think about it when movie theaters were um for, were first around. And not a lot of people could afford it. It was something you dressed up to go to. Just like you would go and dress up and uh, go and dress up and go to a play. It's an event. And when you go to a film, it's a special thing. And for theaters to continue to provide and and, and basically pick at that that subconscious uh, of our moviegoers are like, why why is this so much more special? Why is it that way? 
And because not every film is going to be an Avengers Endgame. Not every film is like that, right? That, that's the vast minority that are like that, that have that type of feel. So what, what is it? What, what incentive financially and emotionally do, do people have to go to the small theater uh, to, and to, to see that no-name movie that they could easily pay $3 to watch at home? That, that's the bigger question. It's not the big fish. The big fish will always be there. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I love a movie theater. That's the one thing I regret not working in as a kid. I really wish looking back, I would have worked at a movie theater. Oh but, no. I don't think you would like movie theaters if you worked at a movie theater. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I just, I just like it. I, I love everything about it, but I, I don't know how, I don't know the way forward for them. I really don't. And it concerns me because even I'm tempted by saying like, Hey, this is not a movie type of quality, like a big screen, but it's a lot closer than it was three years ago. And it's amazing how far home theaters have come here in this la- in this this decade from 2010 to 2020. It's it's staggering, and the movie theaters got to have a response to that, be- and not just the financial side. You got to talk about the movie going experience and the visual and audio experience because what they're doing with sound bars and with screen technology with Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision is pretty insane. And so not you cannot no longer sell a movie going experience just on the fact that yeah hey we got uh, crystal clear projection systems and we got we got really great surround sound no like that's old news okay that that's not going to cut it any longer you're going to have to provide something else and I just hope they figure it out. So getting back to the streaming stuff, um, last question and we'll kind of wrap things up. I guess two parter. If it was up to you, if all streaming had to go through the Michael Channel. How would you improve streaming on all platforms? And where do you see streaming going in the next five to ten years? Well, I, I think that the the latter question there is easier to answer. It's just going to be more fragmented, and um, that that's all. I'm just going to continue to get a streaming service for pretty much every single little niche thing. Uh, it's just going to happen, so you're just going to have cable channels. Uh, but for certain proprietary entertainment and, and all the rights are going to go back. Like you said, friends is a great example. That's all that's going to happen. And so our bills are going to look the exact same eventually if, from the financial standpoint, but the future of streaming and how that looks in our home um, with internet and data speeds going up for the average American, you know, from where they were 10 years ago, technology advancing there, uh, the advent of, you know, uh, Wi-Fi six, um, and people streaming on their phones with 5G and the advent of that, like the the question was always, can we support the speeds needed for everyone to be streaming? Um, and it looks like yes, uh, the infrastructure will hold. So that's that's the big question. If we can get that out of the way, if that is taken care of, then are we going to just be inundated with new shows? Yes, and the shows are going to just look like. Um, like original shows that you would have seen on network television. Network television will continue to go by the wayside as far as stuff. And so a TV show that'll come out that would have come out on like CBS, this airing this fall is just going to be on CBS all access, just like they did with star Trek discovery. It's just going to be that simple. Um, and you, but the thing is, there's just going to be much more options. And so you're just going to have to continue to pay. If you want to watch star Trek discovery and you want to, and you want to um, watch Mandalorian on Disney plus, but you're a small family on a budget, you're going to have to make that decision. Like, what are you going to do? Um, I don't know. So 
that to me has always been there because you always had like those kids growing up that like watch the premium cable channels and then there's right. us that had like the basic cable and be like exactly yeah it's the, the, so that, that conversation is not going to change it's just going to be it's going to be streaming based now that's all uh but yeah the i think it's 4k will be the new hd it's just streaming at yep. least it better be sooner rather than later i'm calling you out peacock and i'm calling you out hbo max and also minor nitpick but hulu can you please change your interface because you have one of the most awful and worst like it's impossible to find anything with you hulu you just have <laughs> one of the worst layouts um but what do you guys at home think about this i know streaming is a complicated topic and i know almost everything nowadays is streaming base but what direction do you see streaming heading in the future let us know in the comments below we always like hearing from you guys and as always if you like what you hear and you want to hear more subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on whether it's itunes spotify google podcast or youtube and if you haven't already subscribe to us on youtube at uncharted media and as always stay sharp with you guys and gals